Hello and welcome to this Wealth Track podcast. I'm Consuelo Mack. Our topic today is how do you make it on Wall Street with advice from three women portfolio managers. They are a rare breed, only 11% of U.S. mutual fund managers. But research shows women perform equal to or better than their male counterparts. This podcast is part two of a webinar series I am moderating for the award-winning Philanthropy WISE, standing for Women Investing in Security and Education. You can find out more on WealthTrack.com. The panelists are Yana Barton, Portfolio Manager and Director of Specialty Solutions at Eaton Vance, Ellen Lee, Fundamental Portfolio Manager at Causeway Capital, and Sonali Peer, Portfolio Manager at PIMCO. What does it take to succeed as a money manager? I asked Peer what she looks for in a job candidate. I think the passion for markets because markets evolve, but you know, if you're passionate about and whether it's, you know, right now you may not be passionate about investing because perhaps you haven't even done it, but you're watching markets and you're aware of, you know, what's going on in the broader world, whether that's current events and, and um, have an interest in investing. Of course, uh, hardworking tenacity is important, but I think there's some, one more thing that uh, I want to highlight, which is attention to detail. You know, this is a very unforgiving um, environment for mistakes in that sense. While we're all human and mistakes happen, you know, there's real capital on the line. And so, you know, having that attention for detail, especially in your junior years, where it's one of the ways in which the next, say, level of responsibility is bestowed is important. And then lastly, I would just say following up and following through, right? In terms of the environment and finance is pretty flat and you have access to a lot of people and, you know, expressing your interest is great, but then you need to kind of follow up and follow through with what it is you're interested in or why, or how, you know, looking for ways to add value. Um, you know, I, I shared earlier an experience from my uh, younger years of, you know, how I tried to add value in a, in a, in a part of the market that was relatively entrenched. Um, but I think that's so important to, to figure out what it is you're looking for to some extent, but then also following up with, you know, I think I always say to our interns, and I've said it to even interns in previous um, jobs I had, which is, you know, the internship is your opportunity to see, is this the right industry? Is this the right firm? Is this the right fit? Am I interested even in markets? Um, and which product might be a good fit? When you come back full-time, yes, it's absolutely about producing and performing. Um, but, you know, take advantage of those internships and ask all the questions um, that will help you to figure out if what's the right fit. So a couple of, you know, final questions before I get to the final, final question about the, uh, the one piece of career advice. Um, what was the best uh, decision that each of you made and what was the worst mistake you've made? I think one of the most pivotal moments in my career is working on an enhanced indexing product within the walls of a fundamentally biased shop. And in normal language, what that means is basically I was asked to create a competing pro product to what we were sort of known for. Um, when I was asked to do that, I literally thought that my manager was looking for a way to fire me and this would be oh. it. But what really happened was this was 16 years ago and it was sort of the early innings of what are called risk management tools that really allow for the next generation of portfolio construction where the two worlds sort of collide, right? The investment management with risk overlay. 
Um, and that was the best thing I ever did because I created this product. I was asked to be a portfolio manager of that product. And today this product is uh, billions of dollars um, in total assets. One of the biggest mistakes that could have been, uh, I will cheat a little bit, is a couple of years ago, I wanted to make a change in my career, partly because the demands of the job, this is before work from home. I know this sounds so crazy right now, but um, it's a hard job. A lot of us asked of you, uh, you rarely get to turn it off. Uh, you are, again, bestowed with great responsibility that takes a lot of hours and ownership that there's you're taking care of other people's assets that they worked really hard for. And that was a lot for me. And I wanted to make a change for the sake of my kids and my family. Um, long story short, I didn't get the job, which turned out to be the best thing that could have happened to me. But I learned that sometimes failures are actually success stories. So in my, in my, um, in my experience, I got to try this out, fail. But in reality, I think as I reflect back, it was, it was a win. Less. Failure is, <laughs> is, is part of the process of succeeding. It really is. So um, Ellen, uh, kind of best decision that you made and biggest mistake? Best decision was to decide to work with Causeway, small boutique manager with great people. You know, when I joined the firm, uh, assets under management was 15 billion, we're 45 billion. Being part of an organization where you know, it's very, first of all, it's very flat and being able to actually build this organization together with my colleagues and having the ownership and achievement of that process has been remarkably um, rewarding because, you know, I, I'm also growing as a professional, but I feel, you know, I'm growing as a leader and as an entrepreneur. I was like the 48th employee, you know, we have over hundred employees today. So I think that's, you know, very satisfying in, in multi-dimensions. My failure, I did cover energy. I uh, failed to see and recognize a monumental shift of a new supply source called U.S. Shale entering the market. I learned really the hard way that cycles are similar, but the details are different. So ultimately, I think right now it's sort of playing out as you know, I had seen back then, but on a more medium term basis, it was a threatening sort of structural force in the market where, you know, market participants were very wary on how this would impact the supply demand fundamentals of, of oil. And I think for me, maybe I was a little bit too gullible in believing the companies when they said, oh, we exercise capital discipline, all these investments will have high returns. But I learned the hard way and I hope and I believe I'm a better investor for it, but being more skeptical and not always having to lead a certain trend and being a follower, I think is okay in investing to wait <laughs> for things to play out and step in because there's still more returns to be made even after the fact important perspective to share with us. Thanks, Ellen. I'd really appreciate that. So Sonali, both questions to you as well. I did mention product selection was one of the key decisions I felt like I made and probably only could have made it because of the two internships, meaning uh, I had enough, I had seen enough to have an idea, whereas often you come in and it's hard to kind of get the bigger picture of what all goes into it. But I think another um, 
aspect I would say that was a good decision was transitioning to the buy side when I did, right? The sell side has, sell side means the dealer community, the banks. They have a lot to offer from the perspective of training programs, big classes of students that are joining at the same time and um, starting their careers. And so there's a lot of positives. However, post great financial crisis and having traded in that environment, it was quite clear with regulations that, uh, you know, if I wanted to take risk, that was no longer the job. The job became an agent job, meaning uh, matching buyers and sellers over time. Um, and so for what I was interested in, which was, you know, investing in companies and uh, ascertaining trends and the like, um, I transitioned to the buy side where eventually I knew I would get the opportunity to run capital. And then from there, it was up to me to prove myself. Um, I think that transition was very important for what attracted me to finance as opposed to just how markets work. But I also think there's pros and cons, right? There's certainly starting from the sell side, I was able to see what our competitors were doing and also get a better appreciation for different investment styles, um, which eventually informed kind of how my own morphed. In terms of greatest lessons learned, unfortunately, um, often greatest lessons are learned are from hiccups along the way, right? Sure. Um, despite however many companies I've invested in over the years, however many different uh, sectors I've looked at, it did not occur to me that a company would voluntarily go into bankruptcy with $4 billion of cash on their balance sheet. Just really, again, forcing, we often ask for a sensitivity table from our analysts, really, to look through a wide variety of scenarios when investing and understanding what the convexity profile is to the downside as well as the upside. But that just shows case in point that many times, like an analyst will come back with a very narrow range, right, of plus minus 15%, let's say. That's not enough when investing, especially in troughs or, you know, what may, we may not know what his peak is, but a peak um, and, and really, you know, forcing that range very wide to fully understand, you know, what looks like it has downside protection, for example. And, um, you know, Ellen mentioned energy, many EMP credits, energy exploration and production credits. If you only stress down to say $45 in oil, you don't see where they completely break. Right. Um, and, and the company's recovery now is single digits, for example. Um, and so, so again, that highlights that full range and, and really thinking uh, probabilistically, right? That it's not, despite your base case and despite the fact that looking down 50% in revenue seems maybe absurd, but okay, what probability do you assign to that and what's the likelihood? really good lessons, hard-earned lessons as well for anyone who's been in the financial markets. Uh, so Yanni, your one piece of career advice that you would give to, to our audience? Be confident than you are today and say yes. Ellen? Just do it, take action. And Don't think too much, just take action. Whether okay. it's investing, job, or anything in life. Failure is also have lessons too. So, so go with your gut. Is that what you're saying? No, don't overanalyze. Yeah, don't over. Yeah, I think. Okay. I mean, just paralysis. take action one way or the other. Because at a certain point, unless you take action, you're not going to reap any benefit from that action itself, and that's an opportunity lost. Sonali, I would say embrace change. Not only is the market ever evolving even your role will evolve. This is not an industry where you get to think of your five to 10 year plan, because despite what you think, 
there will be a lot of change, whether it's in your product, whether it's in market structure, whether it's in liquidity sources. I mean, this is not that type of environment. And so if if embracing change excites you, this is the right place. And those were fabulous pieces of career advice. So thank you all. If you missed part one of this tearing down the pink wall conversation, you can find it on wealthtalk.com. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. In the meantime, make the week ahead a healthy, profitable, and productive one.